Hi, and welcome to the Design Systems Podcast. This podcast is about the place where design and development overlap. We talk with experts to get their point of view about trends in design, code, and how it relates to the world around us. As always, this podcast is brought to you by Knapsack. Check us out at knapsack.cloud. If you want to get in touch with the show, ask some questions, or generally tell us what you think, go ahead and tweet us at the DSPod. We'd love to hear from you. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Design Systems Podcast. Today, I'm with Ellis Capon and Nick Dorman. They're with News UK. Hey, guys, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself and let us know what you're all about? Sure. I'm Nick Dorman. So I'm head of design systems at News UK, which is a a new role that was put into place when we started this initiative. Yeah, it's my job to kind of steer the overall strategy and the governance of the system and obviously work with all the brands across News UK to kind of demonstrate the value and advocate for the system. Yeah. Hey, uh, I'm Ellis Capon. I'm a senior product manager for NewsKit. I've been with the company for about two years now, and senior product manager job within NewsKit is uh, to focus on the adoption of NewsKit across the different products and brands, and to help really drive that value across the business, and you know treat the design system as a product. Awesome. And so NewsKit is your guys' design system for all of News UK. Tell me a little bit about the system's origin, where it begins, what it encompasses, because like at least myself, you know, when I started to dig into the website. I was surprised at how extensive everything was and how kind of far-reaching this system is. So maybe it's best to start with a little bit of background around you know, what has been built here. So prior to this, I worked across all the brands. I was managing a, a centralized design team. And that was fairly unusual in UGK at the time. There wasn't a lot of cross-cutting teams. It was fairly siloed. The business units all operated independently. And I could see the repetition and the, the cycle of the same projects and the same kind of initiatives. You know, these inevitably were built with the same basic components, even if the kind of end solution was different and nuanced. You know, obviously the audiences are different. There are differences there. But it was the same kind of basic building blocks. Gotcha. So you were the one that basically took a look at these sort of cross-cutting pieces and said, like, hey, there's an opportunity to create a system here. And you were saying at the start that your job title was actually something that was kind of created as a part of the NewsKit project. So maybe talk to me about, you know, those very early days, those formative moments where there's this sort of like primordial idea of patterns and how that becomes a reality. Yeah, so the design system was born in the design discipline. We could see those issues we were having. We're desperately trying to improve the consistency across the products. We're trying to save time. You know, we wanted to be working in a less reactive way. We wanted to be doing more long-form research. And we kind of organically started building systems. It was only kind of a UI library-based initially. But when there was a kind of move to restructure technology, we lobbied to create a system and, you know, get investment to actually set up an independent design system team. And that wasn't a hard sell for the business. It's, it's a very compelling argument, you know, to work in this way. They could see the potential benefit of doing that. When we went through this restructure, we created more horizontal teams, and the design system team was one of those. Awesome. And then Ellis, what about you? What was your role in the sort of formative stages of all this? Yeah, so I joined six months into the project, this time two years ago, really. So news gets, what, two and a half years old now. And I was hired in as a product manager for the design system, which I think at the time was unusual for design systems to have product managers. I don't think they're really treated too much as one, but you know, the role of, of a product manager, in my opinion, on a design system is all encompassing. It's your product marketing manager, you're the number one advocate for the design system too. And you're the one really trying to prove that value. You know, 
as we've heard about on many other podcasts and in, in real life experiences, getting design systems adopted isn't easy. You know, there's a lot that goes into it. So I think my role is really to help drive that adoption and work with the product teams to ensure that they're doing things in the right way, they're doing things in a sustainable way that we want them to. So from this sort of primordial, you know, we have some patterns, we're starting to build some systems around this, we're starting to have this design-led effort that looks at the organization horizontally. And then we've done this reorganization restructuring as a business. Who was that appeal made to, to actually create a design systems team? What did that conversation look like? Because you said it was relatively easy. Who was in the sort of like decision-making chair for that? So I guess ultimately it was the CTO, but, you know, we had to go through pretty much all of the kind of main stakeholders in technology, you know, it had to be agreed by engineering, it had to be agreed across design and across the brands. There was a kind of semblance of a design system in the times at the time, but proposing a multi-brand system encompassing all these brands that had never really worked together was a big shift. Yeah, because all this siloing is something that you brought up early on, where one of the headwinds, I guess, in this effort is that oftentimes brands, especially in media, operate really independently. And so how did you guys go about securing buy-in for a centralized horizontal effort? And moreover, how did you make it easy? It did take a lot of effort. And I think we were, you know, super naive at the beginning that we could probably pull this off. I think the benefit comes when you explain to these brands, right, that you've got some digital newspaper brands, you've got the Sun, the Times, and then you've also got our audio broadcasting arm of the business in wireless radio. And, you know, they are different companies. They work in separate units. However, they essentially do the same thing, right? And they all require the same thing. And there's a lot of cross-pollination going on between these brands. So whereas traditionally the Times are an independent newspaper, and then you also have the Sun as well. But then now you've got things like Times Radio popping up, for example. So now the Times are branching into audio. So suddenly there's some kind of cross-pollination in offerings there. And I think that was one of the big appeals to help drive adoption and get buy-in across these different brands. Oh, interesting. So the actual change in the sort of dynamic of media with like multiple formats, reaching different audiences, all of that kind of helps grease the wheels of a major initiative that was looking at how you actually construct these experiences. Yeah, that's definitely the case. I think there's two worlds currently. There's the new media coming in, but these newspapers are are old and there's people that have been around for a long time and, and have a lot of kind of protection of the brands. And they're almost vehemently opposed to the idea that anything could be shared or, or should be shared across brands. Now, they're very protective of their identities. And, you know, they are unique. There's obviously the similarities, but the audiences are very different. The feel of the brands is very different. And, I mean, the business models are very different. You've got subscribers on one hand and you've got kind of ad revenue models on another hand. And, yeah, so... As much as there is similarity, there's, you know, a huge amount of diversity across the brands as well. And I mean, generations of history, right? There's a lot to think about in terms of this as well. One of my favorite conversations I ever had was with a design system historian that worked at a, a major insurance brand in the United States. And it was really interesting to hear them talk about how their job was essentially the preservation of a, of a hundred year old brand. I think it's an interesting role for a design system. You look at the times, Times New Roman, you know, you would have right. seen that font. It's very recognizable. These are really recognizable brands, you know, 
big traffic sites. Yeah, they have got a lot of history, a lot of heritage. So I think that's really great. Ellis, from your perspective, like what was the sort of, you know, driving force behind some of these early days and the scope that you guys really aimed at? Because that was a lot of your role in this too, was trying to sort of assess, you know, here's the lay of the land, here's the understanding of what's changing in technology. What's the scope and service level that we're going to try to create for not just these brands, but the organization as a whole? Yeah, so, you know, as a product manager, you know, one of your core roles is to, to prioritize and to make sure that you're doing things in the order in which is going to offer the most value to your end user. At the moment, in design systems, our end users are designers, they are engineers. But, you know, these are providing components and tools for our customers and our readers to use and our listeners to use. So, you know, it's difficult, but we started off looking at the core components that makes up like an article page, for example, on the Times or, or any of our publishing brands. And then we went from there, really. Like, it would have been very easy for us to go to Material and just go, cool, let's start to copy every single component that Material have. But that wouldn't have got us to where we wanted to get to adoption-wise that quickly, right? So that was the main driver there. And then it led on to there. Then whole products were then soon being built out using Newskit too. I want to get to the idea of adoption here in just a second. But right before we get this, I think that it's worthwhile to just talk about really that scope for a second, right? Because what you guys have in Newskit isn't just something that exists for one or two or three major brands inside of your organization. This is truly like a multi-platform, multinational, multi-brand system that operates at pretty tremendous scale. And so I want to basically talk about the ambition of this project for a second. And when you guys had created Newskit, your vision was to have this centralized design system that would work very horizontally across the entire organization. What you ultimately achieved was something that is even, I would say, slightly more ambitious than that. And that you're looking at something that now also has a lot of localization and internationalization built into it. Can you just kind of describe for us sort of the scale of what Newskit encompasses right now? Ambitious is definitely the word. And I think, you know, it's certainly a touch of naivety. I certainly thought that it was going to be simpler than it has proven to be. You know, it took a, a solid year to build out the library of tokens initially to a point that we could say, you know, this caters for the basic requirements of each brand. And that's always been our aim is to kind of cover the, the fundamentals, but leave room for customization and extension. As I've been talking about the brands, we've had to demonstrate that we can standardize aspects, but still uphold the identity of the brands. And when it comes to the components, you know, we put a huge amount of effort into ensuring that the components in code and the components in design are as identical as they can be. And I've heard you talking about this on the previous podcast, but, you know, the similar kind of approach is that, you know, we have to have the same props, the same naming conventions. They need to be structured in exactly the same way. The way we've, I think we've managed to scale is really by looking at the infrastructure very carefully. I mean, we've, you know, there's been a huge amount of trial and error, but we're at a place now where we only maintain a single library of components and we provide a, a plugin for the consumers to theme the components. So they use this tool, they take the components, drag them onto the right board, theme them, they can apply the various customizations they need, and then they can export those into their own local systems. And that's been a, a real turning point for us as well is this kind of idea that you know yeah we're the centralized design system team but we're creating design systems across all the brands as well that's been 
you know, positive in terms of adoption. It's, I think, enabled designers to invest more kind of wholly in the design system. It's also allowed us to have advocates outside of the design system team. And that's been, you know, really key into being able to scale across multiple teams. You know, we haven't scaled the central team much from the kind of early days, but the actual design system is being used kind of far more broadly, even outside of News UK now. Yeah, so I think that's an actually a pretty unique perspective here, right? Because there's a lot of folks that look at the complexity of, of a multi-brand system like this, and they say, this is definitely best represented as multiple design systems. Or let's have a small, compact core of, say, tokens or styling. And then let's allow that core to be extended. And you guys have extensibility built into NewsKit. It's not to say that you don't, but you guys have a lot more encapsulated in your core of your system that is running a, a tremendous number of sites and brands than I've ever seen. Like There is a tremendous amount of componentry and tokens and power there that really represents, I would say, 80 plus percent of use cases for the vast majority of your brands. And so while brands may elect to extend, for the most part, those extensions are rather small. You guys have managed to build a centralized system that covers the vast majority of use cases. Is that a fair representation? I think so, yeah. I think we're always obviously getting feedback from our brands and from our users. But I think for the most part, it's definitely kind of all-encompassing. But I, I guess one of the things that we learned when we went to you know, work with the brands in America, so Dow Jones, for example, was that the American or USA accessibility laws are so much more strict and kind of hold a higher level than they do over here in Europe and in the UK. So, you know, it's been a really good learning curve for us that we've gone and we've actually implemented a accessibility champion who's one of our engineers, Marco, who's now kind of leading the accessibility on the design system front. And he's working with the American guys and girls over there to then make sure that the design system that we're building is actually at the level they require. So then there's no work for them to do going forward. That's amazing. I, I think that's also a really good case study of how the innovation sharing side of design systems is pretty powerful. Because presumably that work that you're doing in the Americas to further accessibility is ending up baked into the system as a whole and ultimately benefiting users in the UK and Europe in general. In retrospect, the kind of a positive approach we've taken is that we were determined not to go and build this design system in a silo. So we've been constantly trying to provide value really from day one. And we build the components to the requirements of the brand. So, you know, if wireless come along and they need us to build an audio player, that's why we're building an audio player. You know, it's not because we've decided that this would be a, a good thing in the system. You know, everything that we're building has a direct usage. We only build things that, you know, multiple brands will be needing. So you're rather lean in your approach in that you're not out there just saying, like, we need to create a bunch of UIs based on inventory that we've done. We actually need to look at these as like, what is the purpose of this individual component? Who does it serve? How does it serve them? And to really be intentional about that creation. Yeah, and I think that's where the product side of it comes in, right? And the prioritization part comes in. And that helps inform our roadmap. So we keep our roadmap publicly available on the site. That roadmap isn't just mine and Nick's brain dump. I promise it's a well thought out roadmap. <laughs> yeah, so on the product management front, this is an interesting part of the story as well, right? Like, you know, I mean, you're a product manager for a design system that is completely and extremely focused on how you serve the needs of your users and what those needs are, how you develop a roadmap that is going to best face 
all these different goals that your design system is set out to do, that sort of professionalization of product management and product ownership for a design system, I view that as essential or key to the outcomes you guys have achieved, where you know it's not about just like, let me have somebody that has some product ownership inside of a brand. This is a product ownership of a system. And ultimately, your users are all these different consumers. Talk to me a little bit about how you view your news kit system through the lens of product management. Like, what is it that you really view as like the core decision-making process for how this grows and changes? Yeah, I mean, so for example, we, we work with these various different brands, audio, newspaper brands, and whoever else, B2B brands in, in Dow Jones as well. And when we're working with them, it might be that the Times are looking to maybe do some kind of text-to-speech audio on their article so that, you know, you can go to the article, click play, and then the article will be read out to you by some kind of program in the background. So they need an extended audio player than what we have now. And then Factiva from Dow Jones might say the same thing. So that then informs, okay, there's two brands here that want the same thing. You know, how does that actually line up on our roadmap? So maybe that then informs a priority to be higher than something else, for example. But at the same time, the product management that is going on here isn't just around the prioritization. Like That's probably the easier part. I find it's the advocating, being that advocate, being that person who's almost like a product marketing manager as well, to be honest, who's putting the name out there and really trying to help drive that value and, and demonstrate that value through you know, building other products and working with other product teams. So for example, our wireless brand, so working with them to help them build their web platforms and advising what might be the best approach or best way of building that platform using the design system, of course. And that's kind of what I mean by the idea of professional product management, right? Not to say that that doesn't exist in other places, but a lot of organizations view the product management and product ownership of the design system as effectively requirements management and prioritization. And there's a lot of this that is also about resource allocation, about marketing the design system, about really focusing on that adoption, even thinking about like what sort of metrics you have. When you think about that adoption as sort of a past, present, future story. I think that we've got a good understanding of how you guys got initial adoption of the design system. Kind of where are you guys at now and where do you see that heading in the next 12 months as this continues to grow and mature? It's changed dramatically over the last year. It's really accelerated. But at the very beginning, sort of nine months in, the Times Radio project kind of kicked off. They wanted to use our design system. But Newskit was on like version 0.3, I think, at the time. It was really not mature enough. And the struggles, I think, and the feedback were super valuable in kind of helping us plan our design system going forward and steering it in a different direction to maybe we thought it was it was going to be going in. And, you know, we were desperate to show this value from this design system that we spent nine months, 12 months building. But the truth was that I don't think we had just, we weren't there yet, but it was a super valuable experience, you know, and fast forward another year, and wireless are launching their Virgin Radio products and um, built out completely using our design system. And we know we have a second team, we have a render team, which is like a sister team to our design system team, who they build out features rather than the you know individual components themselves. This core platform that they've built contains all the design system components and then everything else they need to launch a website, all your tracking integrations, everything like that as well. So that was a massive milestone for us too, to be honest. So that maturity gap <laughs> that happened in like a year or less went from having something that, like you said, you were you're kind of desperate around, right? This early version of this design system 
and it's something that ultimately became the cornerstone of a launch. How did you guys justify that? Like, there's a lot of KPIs and strategy and stuff that gets attached to that conversation when you say, like, we're going to take a major launch of a brand or relaunch of a brand and build it from the beginning with the design system in mind. What do you track on that? The wireless web platform is an interesting one, right? Because they've got a number of brands. They're all radio stations or TV stations, and they all have very similar needs. So this first kind of iteration of the wireless web platform was built using NewsKit. It uses all our systems. The sell was from us, use this, use NewsKit, and you'll build it a lot quicker. And that happened. They launched the whole website within a few months, which is brilliant. But the value and the KPIs comes next. I don't think we're quite there yet on some of them. We, I can talk about some of them in a second, but they're launching their second radio station on, on the platform in a number of months. And the idea being is that cost saving from you know project A to project B, that's going to be the massive value that we can go to our CFO and say, hey, look, we just delivered this website in this period of time. It would have taken us this long. And here's the proof. Yeah, and you wrote this wonderful medium piece that sort of like takes a look at those different measures that you think about, like the use of components, the pace of development, NPS, which was one that I was excited to see in there, contribution, adoption. I think that all these are really great measures. What's in place right now and what is more future looking? I'd say now we have like the performance, so the core web vital scores. So that's another massive part our brands rely on being at the top of the Google search results. So all our components are super performant. That's a massive one that we track. Contributions is obviously important. And we're not just saying code. We're thinking pattern contribution. You know, it could be just a bug fix. But all this contribution helps kind of tell us how bought into the design system our colleagues are. Let me dive into that for just a quick second before you move on. Because I view this as essential, right? Like a living, breathing, well-adopted design system has a lot of contributions flowing in from all sorts of folks. Not just folks that are on the engineering or design front, but folks that you wouldn't anticipate being able to make a contribution to the design system. Be that like a docs edit or something else like that. What is your guys' viewpoint on that democratization piece of this, right? Has that been something that you've seen a lot of success with in seeing like, people that are not a part of your core team or maybe not even a part of the design and engineering teams making contributions to NewsKit? Not so much outside of the design and engineering teams, but we have had some success within design engineering teams kind of across the board, certainly in terms of component specs, in terms of patterns. You know, one of the designers from another team recently contributed a, a forms pattern, which was excellent. We've had a certain amount of contributions from engineers that might be bug fixes or kind of enhancements to components that are being used within within their projects. I think, you know, the bug fixing is a big one because it gets the engineers hands-on in the code. And, you know, we're, we're actually imminently open sourcing NewsKit as well. So, you know, why can't NewsKit be the design system for publishing the media brands going forward? And that's the kind of like line we want to plug, I guess. And it'd be great, you know, it's, it's wishful thinking, but let's see what happens and let's see if we can get any any contributions from, from people elsewhere. No, but I mean, that's exciting, right? Because you guys work with dozens of brands and presumably hundreds of agencies and all sorts of other organizations really kind of look to you guys as people that care about design and people that care about user experience and people that are leaders in that area. 
And I think that much like material or carbon or ants or any of the other big design systems that are out there, there's definitely a space for a media design system that people can look at as well-constructed and easy to adopt. I look forward to seeing when you guys start to get that open source project out there, because I really do view design systems as these sort of community projects, oftentimes within organizations. And eventually you can get to a point of maturity where they can start to become community projects outside of your organization as well. And it sounds like you guys are, are on the cusp of that. Yeah, hope, mate, fingers crossed. You know, who knows? Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> So, I mean, would you say that's the next stage of adoption? You've got all these brands that are sort of like your your home base, right? The folks like the Times, the Sun, obviously the main site, that are kind of a part of the core. And then you're starting to look at brands in the Americas, which they're not divorced from you guys in any way, but that's sort of like one further bridge you have to go. Do you view that next bridge as the greater media community? Or are you guys still looking at like, I have another expansion to go even within the news organization? I think we certainly have vertigo within News Corp. This is, I think, the first time that, you know, a project like this has been taken on in a kind of global way. We're working on a pilot at the moment to see if we can set up a kind of satellite design system team in, in another organization. So kind of outside of News UK, but within the News Corp umbrella, who'll be kind of a mirror of our render team. So, you know, we'll have this central design system team. We're still going to be, you know, supplying those dumb components, you know, make them as flexible as we can. But then we'll have these other teams, these organization level design system teams that are actually responding to the needs of their specific org. So, you know, that might be developing full features. There might be specific components or modules that are only required in that organization or on the face of it are only required in that organization. And the idea is that, you know, they can then contribute that back into the system if it is something that's required across other organizations. And it just opens the door to sharing a huge amount of insight and kind of research and work across the board. You know, that like research, that data, that understanding of how you sort of federate the adoption and the contribution is sort of the next level. That's an interesting part of the story, because what you guys have leaned on very heavily so far is this strongly controlled, strongly held central system that has a lot of the ability to democratize that contribution. And now what you guys see is the next step that I'm hearing is we actually have to federate that a bit more. We have to start to get that out there either because of regions or brand needs or feature needs. And we're going to do that by taking the model that we have where we have essentially a design system team and a feature team, a release team is I believe what you said. And then using that as a model that can ultimately work in different geos and for different groups. Exactly, yeah. So it's, it's something that we've been increasingly trying out within News UK. So we actually recently developed a, an account solution. You know, this isn't a kind of customer-facing part of the websites so much. So it's, a, it's an easier sale to get the brands on board with that kind of idea that we could create a, a shared feature. As the brands get more used to that, the idea that you know they can share the underlying fundamentals of a feature, they can iterate on it and they can customize, but the basic feature is shared and maintained in a in a single location. Now, there's a massive amount of value in that, and you know it's really really powerful. And I think that's definitely where we want to take it next is to see how much we can, can kind of push that side of the system. And there's a data story there too. I think this gets back to some of the KPIs that Ellis was talking about. Is if you're able to back up 
a lot of that centralized fundamentals with great data that shows that like this is more performant. This is like leading to better design or better implementations of design, or it's leading to better apps built faster. That's kind of the story you're trying to tell in terms of securing buy-in more broadly across the organization. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, with the account thing in, in particular, right? Like we built the account once. And using our theming system that we've built, now you know seven or eight brands across the UK are going to be using it. So very crudely, you can say that that's a seventh of the cost saved. That's the sort of thing that we're looking at, really. And, and the, the time to market is, is much, much quicker. And I think that that's been the interesting part of the story is talking about your KPIs, too, about, you know, look, we've been able to build all this value into the system. And the unlocks of that value have played out and borne out in data that show that this is working. And that continues to get more buy-in from the organization to further spread what you guys are doing across this thing that was traditionally a very siloed set of institutions to be a broadly horizontal swath across the whole News Corp organization. Yeah. That's really cool. (laughs) It's really cool. I think that one of the things that I am kind of curious about too is how do you guys measure adoption when it comes to the use of the system? Because this is something that we're very on about at Knapsack is that, you know, what Sparkbox put out there in the world, what Forrester's put out there in the world is that design system adoption is the number one metric that is correlated with the success of a design system and future and value and investment in it. And so when you think about that adoption piece of it, what do you guys really look at when you say like, this solution is very well adopted in this brand, but it's still got growth room in this other brand. Or are you guys like at that level of, of slicing yet? Yeah, so I think we're at a point at the moment where we haven't got the granularity that we want, to be honest. And, you know, at the moment we do just say, a product is using NewsKit. So that tick, there we go, that's one one scratched off. But what we are looking into, and, you know, there are some blog posts out there, Cristiano Ristelli, who used to work for Badu. He wrote a really great piece on being able to track that level of adoption in code throughout the system. And that's where we kind of want to get to. The difficulty that we face, as we've mentioned before, is that we're working across so many different code bases and we've got dozens of brands across News Corp. So that might be a bit more tricky, but we're certainly looking into that kind of more granular approach to tracking adoption. Sure. Yeah, I, I think there's an entire conversation we could have about the distribution methodology for your guys' design system because I, I view that as this really essential piece. If you think about, you know, a design system in four acts, right? You have the design side of it, which is that asset management and that sort of thing. You have the sort of coded component side of it, which is like how do I actually get that design and code to interlink? There's the docs because you need to write stuff down. And then there's the distribution. And the distribution for you guys, I imagine, is complex in that you're distributing token sets, you're distributing components, you're doing that localized and extensible across the globe. Maybe just touch on that for a second, because I think that from a a technical perspective, that's an interesting problem that you guys have had to solve. A real turning point, I think, for us was adopting Figma. Certainly across design, you know, that's really helped with the distribution of design libraries. We still have issues, you know, at the moment we're trying to move all of the organizations in News Corp into a, an enterprise account rather than individual org accounts. But, you know, that is a, a huge step on from where we were initially, where we we're really maintaining multiple design libraries. And, you know, it was a huge amount of overhead in that. As I say, we have a, a single component library. We use the plugin that we've developed to theme the components. We supply icon libraries 
theme files and also, you know, other kind of templates and ways of working documentation that, that designers can pick up. You know, from a code side, it's NPM. We are, I don't know if we mentioned, it's, it is only web-based at the moment. So that's, you know, a, another avenue that we're starting to look into now. It's, it's all a, a kind of React, a React-based library. But, you know, obviously, we want this system to be all-encompassing and across every platform. So we're now kind of investigating where we can take that, obviously, into the native mobile space. But, you know, TV is another one that we want to be looking at. So as you think about that sort of future vision and that next level for you guys, you know, if we're, if we're going to have this conversation a year from now, again, what would you like to be looking at in the rear view in terms of things that you guys have been able to do? I would love to see more adoption across News Corp. I think, you know, it makes absolute sense for that to be the kind of goal. And I think if we can prove it out, if we can make a success of this initial collaboration between two organizations, uh, I think that's probably incentive enough to get a, a load more brands and, you know, separate organizations on board, really excited about the open sourcing. And I think just I'd love to see how that evolves and first adoptee outside of News UK and News Corp even, that will be a, a huge turning point for us. And if we can look back for in a year and, and see that somebody else is using it, that would be a big win. I love the idea of somebody you don't know or doesn't work in the same building or office or for the same, you know, legal entity as you consuming your system and getting value out of it. I think that that's a really special thing when it's somebody that you've no idea who this person is and they found your system and they've decided that it's something that provides them value. I always thought that was like some sort of special moment. Definitely. Yeah. And I think as well, like seeing all the brands properly adopt it across the whole board, across, you know, the US and the UK, for example, and then being able to tell that story and being able to look back and say, cool, you know, the core web vitals for these products have improved and what's changed, you know, hopefully it will be the fact that news gets more integrated into their systems. I think that'll be a nice thing to see as well in a year's time to look back and say, cool, these websites are much better products because of us. I think we can see a point going forward where driving adoption and, and marketing the design system as a product won't be needed as much. You know, the idea being that all our advocates that we're going to be onboarding onto the design system and things, they will be those marketing people for us. You know, hopefully, fingers crossed, the role that I'm in now won't be needed as much as the design system becomes a core part of the, the News Corp strategy. So I think it might evolve and, and change a bit as well. Well, hey, y'all, thanks so much for being on the show today. Much appreciated. Thank you for taking your time, sharing your story. This has been a really great conversation. And maybe I'll, I'll see if we can schedule something for a year or so out and we can see uh, how we've done. Absolutely. Yeah, sounds great, Chris. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you. That's all for today. This has been another episode of the Design Systems Podcast. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or a topic you'd like to know more about, find us on Twitter at the DSPod. We'd love to hear from you with show ideas, recommendations, questions, or comments. As always, this pod is brought to you by Knapsack. You can check us out at knapsack.cloud. Have a great day.